This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. show already really has Bo Beetle was just absolutely tremendous Frank Morano great earlier still to come this hour one of the ladies really the lady that started the Moms for Liberty I love this lady I saw her on CBS with Jane Pauley on Sunday her name is Tiffany Justice she'll join me at 840-905 former coach of the Knicks and the Rockets now part of that great three-man team Alongside my dear friend Mike Breen and Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy making a rare New York appearance, coming up with me at 9.05. Legendary WFAN host and the biggest Jet fan in the world on the Aaron Rodgers move. Joe Beningo set to join me at 9.25. And New York Post columnist Michael Goodwin coming up at 9.40. But my best buddy of 43 years, Donald Trump defense attorney Joseph Takapina, He'll be in court in about 90 minutes, 9.30. Takapina was on with me yesterday talking about this morning, which is an odd one, in that he may have to open up his arguments today. At the same time, there may be jury selection. Both of those things going on at once. Here was Joseph Takapina with me yesterday. I've had jury selections in cases with much less notoriety where it's taken weeks to get a juror. But I'm told, I'm told this judge plans on picking a jury within a couple of hours. So right now the plan is to possibly, I should say possibly, open for Wednesday morning. All right, he could open today after they select the jury or tomorrow morning. Either way, I love this guy. I have three great attorneys on this show all the time. Takapina, Idala, and this guy may be the best of them all. Constitutional attorney and absolute Brooklyn genius, my friend Alan Dershowitz. Mr. Dershowitz, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I can't be as good as Arthur Idala because he's my lawyer. So he must be better than I am. <laughs> I guess. I mean, every lawyer needs a lawyer, too. So if you yeah, go yeah. – <laughs> now, Artie's listening right now, so he's a huge fan of the show. No, I, I, he, he, I needed him as my lawyer because, like Donald Trump, I was accused by – in my case, by a woman I never heard of, never met, and never had anything to do with. And she finally admitted after eight years, after eight years, that she may – have made a mistake mm-hmm. and falsely identified me. So I know what Donald Trump is going through. Of course, I don't know what happened in that uh, dressing room or anywhere else. That's going to be up to the jury to determine. But I can be sympathetic with uh, a, a 20-something-year-old claim uh, uh, of she said, he said, that's that's going on. And in a setting where it's going to be very hard to get a jury that doesn't have strong opinions about Donald Trump, well, that's true. The, the the jury will have strong opinions, and the judge, too. I know Takapina's had said some very nice things the last couple of days about this specific judge. He's worked with him before. But isn't the onus here, Alan, really on the prosecution side? I mean, she's claiming something happened decades and decades ago. There is no witness 
as far as I know. He's on video this morning, Trump saying, not only did I not do it, I don't even know who this lady is. So it seems to me like the more difficult job is to prove this happened, or am I being naive? I think you're being naive. First of all, in civil cases, the burden is only 50.1% to 49.9%, a hair. And it's the easiest possible burden to satisfy. And second of all, juries don't take burdens of proof seriously. They sit there and they say, you know, did he do it or didn't he do it? That's that's basically what we're being asked. The same thing is true in criminal cases. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Most jurors just ask themselves the question, you know, did he do it or didn't he do it? And so, uh, yeah, there should be a heavy onus on anybody trying to prove something that happened years ago. And there should be statutes of limitations. But, you know, in the movement toward we believe everything women say and nothing Mm. that men say in that whole Me Too movement, which has had some good effects as well as some very, very bad ones. It's, you know, as I think it was a great philosopher who once said they always start as causes, then they become movements, then they become business, then they become rackets. (laughs) And we're at the racket stage in a lot of these cases. There are so many false accusations. I have a lawyer friend. In California, who says about once a week, she writes out a $100,000 check um, to some woman who is claiming that a Hollywood person, a Hollywood actor or producer, uh, you know, had did something to her years and years and years and years earlier. And the Hollywood people are saying, you know, write the check. I never met. I never heard of her, but write the check. I don't want the bad publicity. So, you know, the racket aspect of it has come into being along with a very positive aspect. People ought to be held accountable for what they've actually done. But the villains here, the villains are the lawyers and the plaintiffs who bring false charges, which weaken the claims of people who have true charges. And there ought to be consequences for that. If somebody brings a false charge and it's proved to be untrue, that person ought to go to prison and the lawyers ought to be disbarred. Couldn't agree more. Now, uh, just one more on this. If you're Joe Tacopina this morning, I know you know Joseph uh, like I do and and love him and think he's great. Uh, You have to go after this woman hard. Yes, I mean, really character attack or no? It's very hard. It's very, very difficult. The, The great lawyers know how to do it without appearing to do it. Uh, what they have to do is let let the woman, let the, 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 the witness destroy herself or himself. You can't be perceived as a bully. Uh, it has to be, you have to ask the kinds of questions that the answers themselves will create questions about the credibility of the witness. So it's one of the hardest jobs there is to cross-examine a witness who might very well cry, who might very well be emotional on the stand, um, and uh, without appearing to be sexist or appearing mm. to be a bully. Right. So it's the hardest job right. for the lawyer. And Takapino already, uh, some of the liberal media has already designated him that Brooklyn bully, and he's got a big mouth, and blah, blah, blah. So it's even more difficult for him. I mean, you're, you're a much more soft-spoken. I mean, you're vicious, and you're going to win at any call. I know. But you're a much more soft-spoken guy than Joe Takapino from Bedford Avenue, yes? Yeah. Hey, I'm from Borough Park. Bedford Avenue was, yeah, a little tougher than Borough Park. But we, you know, we were pretty tough guys also. <laughs> yeah. no, I know. All of Brooklyn was very, very tough. I want to move to uh, Fulton County. The DA has come out now, another Trump case. And they say that right now, Part of the reason why they're delaying the indictment in Georgia is because there are more people willing to cooperate almost every day. That's what they're saying. Trump says <laughs> they got nothing. That's why they're waiting. What do you think about this potential indictment? Well, first-
first of all, cooperating witnesses are a dime a dozen. Prosecutors can make uh, cooperating witnesses not only sing, but they can often make them compose and make up stories. And we've seen this over and over and over again, because witnesses will do anything to spare their family or their friends or their finances, the kind of thing that a prosecutor can do to them. So let's see how strong the witnesses are. Right now, the case is based on a telephone call. And the telephone call is completely exculpatory, innocent. The telephone call says, find, find, not invent, not concoct, find, find means the votes are there. What we have to do is look hard and make sure that there are no uncounted votes. So the telephone call is his best defense. But we'll see what other people say. Uh, you know, as people say, no one's above the law, but no one's below the law. But, the exact same law has to be applied to everybody, regardless of position, or former position, or future position. Alan Dershowitz right here, the brilliant attorney and dear friend of mine, discussing Donald Trump, Joseph Takapina, in court in about 80 minutes for this uh, rape-slash-defamation civil case. Then we just discussed Georgia. But, of course, the biggest story really in the news today is the Tucker Carlson firing Fox News saying it was mutual. There was nothing mutual about it. Let's be honest. Murdoch fired him. What do you think about uh, what went down yesterday and what Fox, I guess, has against Tucker Carlson? Because the fans of my show, who are for the most part conservatives, they're furious. Yeah, well, I don't blame them. And what what does Fox have against the First Amendment? Why did they settle this case? Uh, There were no damages to speak of. There's no way that uh, Dominion could have claimed successfully three-quarters of a billion dollars worth of damages. Uh, They settled this case because they didn't want, obviously, some explosive new emails or other information to come out. It's a bad day for the First Amendment. And, uh, you know, I've been on Tucker Carlson's show. I've been on Don Lemon's show. I know them both. Um, They have voices that the public wants to hear. And the First Amendment is two-sided. It not only gives Tucker Carlson the right to speak, it gives you and me the right to listen to him. You can listen to him and shake your head in agreement. I can listen to him and shake my head in disagreement. But that's America. And uh, th- those voices should not be cut off. And it's a bad day. For well, the but but the, the, some, of the, some of the folks were writing yesterday, and I echoed this this morning because I just repeated what I had heard, and Frank Morano did a very good job of shooting it down, that one of the reasons why Tucker was fired, and now we're starting to find out there's a bunch of stuff they didn't like about him, but one of it was, you know, going after Dominion, the lies, him talking about the rigged election. Is there any credence to any of that? Do you think this was just personal between Murdoch and Carlson? Or do you not know? Oh, I, I don't think it was personal. I, you know, I think it was business. And, look, it may be that uh, they want to make the Fox and, and, and CNN more centrist and, and, and get rid of the people who are perceived of as extreme on the right or on the left. That's one possibility. The other possibility is – they just don't want any more lawsuits. And and when you have somebody who's as opinionated as Carlson and some other people on, on Fox, uh, you get the risk of further of further lawsuits. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know what the reasons are. We may never know. We may yeah. never know the reasons why Fox settled. Uh, the only point that we have to remember is that the American public, the American public loses when this happens. The American public loses when people go after Donald Trump unfairly, you know, as you know, I wrote a book about it called Get Trump, where I argue that the First Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Sixth Amendment are all being compromised in the interests of achieving a political goal. And I think all of these recent developments can be perceived as part of 
get Trump, get his supporters, get the people on television who uh, articulate statements for him and state his position, get them all one way or another. And one way or another, a lot of them are being knocked off. And we're seeing a a very dangerous new McCarthyism uh, operate in the United States. And this comes from a liberal Democrat who didn't vote for Donald Trump and, you know, doesn't support uh, many of the things that are said on on Fox News. I, I speak for consumers and I speak for people who care deeply about the Constitution, regardless of political party. Frank Morano told me this morning, and I guess he's right, that ironically, they have actually employed the same lawyer, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, in their respective suits against Fox News and CNN. Anyway, one more. You did mention the fact that you wrote this book, Get Trump, which is a great yeah. book, doing very, very well. You also mentioned the fact you don't vote for Donald Trump. And he said to me on this show a couple of weeks ago, that you would vote for Joe Biden again. Well, the good news is, Alan, based upon his announcement this morning, you're going to have that opportunity. You still feel that way? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, we'll see on the day of the election. I don't believe in early voting. I vote on the day of the election after all the evidence is in who the least worst candidate is. One of these days, I'll be able to vote for the best candidate. But in the meantime, I vote for the least worst candidate. And I not only vote for the candidate, but I vote for the party platform. So let's see. Let's see. Right now, um, I would vote for, for Joe Biden. I know his numbers are very low, and uh, I'm disappointed in some of the things he, he didn't do and some of the things he could have done. But when I consider all the alternatives and all the implications, I've been a Democrat since the day I voted for John Kennedy back in 2000, back in 1960, mm. where most of your viewers and listeners weren't born. But uh, so I go back a long time. You know, people in in my community and in your community, we were born as Democrats. Some people made the conversion and others have not. And the Democrats are in trouble um, with uh, many communities today um, because of the hard left elements in that party. One of the reasons I stay a Democrat is to put pressure on the Democrats to keep AOC at the margin and to make sure that uh, uh, others in the party uh, don't uh, turn it so leftward that it becomes impossible even for somebody like me to vote for them. And that's possible. That could happen. So let's wrap this up in a nice little ball. We started the conversation with me playing a cut from Joe Tacopina on this show yesterday. We talked about today they're going to have to grab themselves a jury and make opening statements likely on the same day today. If not, he'll make his opening statements tomorrow. You talked about how difficult it is for him, his job here, not to bully this lady and get the outcome they want. With all that said, do you think Takapina and Trump will get the outcome they want? It is absolutely impossible to predict what a New York jury will do in a case like this. I would, I would have to have a crystal ball, which, <laughs> which has never, never been wrong. I've been very good at predicting outcomes, uh, partly because I don't make predictions unless I have a basis for making them. And I don't have a basis uh, for making a jury a, a jury determination. Um, but uh, we'll see what the evidence is. Call me back after the evidence comes in on both sides, and then I'll, I'll make a prediction. All right. That's a deal. We're going to do that, Alan, because I can't get enough of you. I think you're absolutely amazing. I do. I love you. So thank you for another great appearance this morning, and stay well. We'll do it again very soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. Bye. You're the best. Alan Dershowitz right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. And we will call him back right after the evidence is introduced. And, of course, I talk to Tiger Pino later on tonight.